0: Hello and welcome to Creative Lives, the Lecture in Progress podcast. Lecture in Progress is an online resource that inspires and informs the next generation of talent by providing practical advice and insight into the creative industry. This podcast series features a broad range of people talking about what they do and how they got to where they are. Our guest this week is Liam Walsh.
1: My name is Liam Walsh. I'm the Creative Technology Director at Nexus Studios. I'm supposed to have ideas and make stuff, so lots of computer programming, storytelling and figuring stuff out with technology.
0: Liam joined East London-based animation studio Nexus in 2017, having accumulated around 15 years of experience as a creative coder and technologist. Nexus itself has been around since 1997 and has put itself on the map with poignant and progressive storytelling that often mixes cutting edge technologies from VR and AR to machine learning with beautiful animation.
1: Originally, they were doing lots of sort of interactive, installation y pieces, museums, art gallery, that kind of thing. And as More and more as the the technology evolved in such a way that you could do things like 3D and virtual reality became a thing and then augmented reality, more and more the skills that the studio had, character animation and storytelling in a special way became a bigger part of the interactive jobs.
0: Now with branches in both London and LA, Nexus's projects range from music videos right up to interactive advertising, and their clients include everyone from tech companies Facebook, Snap and Google to commercial brands and arts organisations. Liam starts by telling us about the many ways his work manifests, the range of technology he works with and what his role looks like day to day.
1: Installations and experiential activations, which are often the things that people share a lot, you know, when they go to an event and it's very exclusive and there's some technical way of showing something that's amazing there. And we used to do a bit of that. Augmented reality, to me, sits along that spectrum where it's an experiential event, but anywhere. Virtual reality, again, is a lot more. It's almost too personal sometimes, for, especially for commercial art. You really have to make that story Worth your while because you're immersing people into the space. Uh, And sometimes we'll tell a story in a really micro level, you know, using Snapchat lens filters or or Spark AR Studio and those tiny little things where you augment somebody's face. I try and carve out some time to write some code every day um, because so much of my job involves, like, knowing about things and there's a limited shelf life for someone like me if I stop actually getting my hands dirty. Other than that, it's sadly like lots of people win senior positions at a company like this. Uh, lots of meetings, lots of emails, doing the stand-ups. I'm across nearly all the projects, so catch up with the teams in the morning for the stand-ups. So many of our clients are West Coast technology companies, so afternoons are often frustrating video conferencing hangouts with uh, either our LA office or um, clients over there. But in the middle of the day I try and write some code and at lunchtime I try and like I have to do a bit of studying. So I don't know. Everyone's different, but I find it really hard to imagine thinking outside the box without knowing as best I can the confines of the box and then thinking a little bit outside it. There's no point in me coming up with a time machine and saying, Well, we'll just need to find the engineer now who knows how to build this time machine. Like I feel like I have to understand the space in order to be able to have ideas or to help other people express their ideas. And it's my job to try and understand the way people use it, the way technology fits into their lives and the way you can then fit into their lives too is through the technology. Especially when we're doing, like I say, commercial art. People kind of pay us to make things. It's not always just can blanche. launch they're a patron of our art and for instance virtual reality it's you have to be very sensitive that you are demanding a hundred percent of someone's focus and attention it's my job to explain to clients that people are not going to go home at the end of the day and put on this helmet of capitalism and spend five minutes engaging in your world you've created that's entirely about eating biscuits for instance like they're just not going to do that so those are the skills that are transferable when, I think that's just about being a person.
0: Next, we asked Liam about his favorite recent projects, including frequent work with Google, for whom they created the Notable Women Project, which lets users see the faces of American women who shaped history, applied to U.S. bills as they look through their camera.
1: Claudia Dopier, who's uh, the engineer who did the Notable Women Project, which we're very proud of, where it was for Google Creative Labs. You point your phone at a banknote and it put famous woman from history on there, but it really put that woman on there. Like the attention to detail and it feeling like it was still your note, but it was transformed. That's all, that's all Claudia.
0: Liam also tells us about Nexus's self-initiated project, Hot Stepper, a playful augmented reality app that helps a user navigate to any destination by following a comedic cartoon character with a distinctive strap, wearing nothing but a pair of sunglasses, tiny pants and a matching hat. And if it sounds surreal, that's because it is.
1: Over the, the last couple of years, like, I'm pretty proud of um, Hot Stepper. I like it because it's ridiculous. Like Mathematically, it's one of the hardest things I ever worked on. It was a small team, it was myself and, and a guy called Vegard Mikkelbust. Both of us have art degrees. Uh, and we were trying to figure out a very complex problem of getting GPS and augmented reality to match up. And, and not to bore you too much, but... AR is accurate to within sort of a centimetre-ish and GPS is accurate to within 15 metres, which is wildly different. The compass on your phone is terrible. There's a reason we used to all do that figure of eight shake at the beginning and we don't do that anymore, but not because they fixed the compass, just because people were frustrated by the gesture and most apps just don't use the compass to figure out where you are. So getting all that stuff to work out, like mathematically, was, was really tough and the UX of it was really tough. But the thing I like most about it is it's ridiculous. It's like an absurd, naked, fat dancing guy and the character that the studio brought to that and the the music and everything brought it to life and it's very easily one of the favorite projects that's actually shipped.
0: Since moving into a management role, Liam admits that focus and working without interruptions has become more of a challenge. He tells us his techniques for getting things done.
1: Sometimes if I'm coding, you have to concentrate, you have to hold a lot of things in your head and then get them down and get all those moving parts to put together. I imagine I've never done watchmaking, but that that can kind of feel like what you're doing. You're putting tiny little bits of pieces together and you're you're carving a whole cloth out of your mind. And you do need to focus, but I also a big part of my job is answering questions and being available to the directors and the creatives and the producers. So the only thing I found that will work, because the headphones weren't doing it. Um, and even like hiding in here or, or hiding in the basement wasn't doing it was a gigantic egg timer on my desk for that specific explicit purpose of I'm trying to just don't tap me. This is like a 25-minute egg timer you can see and then people know a little bit. Like I don't use it very often, but they'll know to to leave me to focus for that amount of time. The egg timer and everyone is understands and it says 25 minutes that like roughly this is how long you have to wait. And then I will always have like a five minute break after that. And it will sort of, you know, check Slack, check my emails. People can answer me ask me questions and then I will go back to the focus work. But it's really tough to focus. It's an open plan office. You know, I don't have a, a locked door or anything like that. It also forces you to break tasks down into manageable chunks, which is, I think, a big part of that sort of getting thing done manifesto. But yeah, having that. It's called Pomodoro, like it's an actual programming technique. 25 minutes, they figure, is the right amount of focus and it's the right amount of time to tackle a task. Sometimes when you really get into that sense of flow and that, that zone, you know, like you'll just blow right past it. And because it's a physical egg timer and it's not in my line of sight, you know, maybe I keep going.
0: After graduating in 2003 with a degree in interactive media production from Bournemouth University, Liam went on to build websites for musicians and DJs. He tells us about those first steps into his career and his biggest learnings from that time.
1: Straight after uni, I was doing, because I'd been doing a bit of DJing, and so I knew some people from like DJing who needed a websites, flash websites. I was also doing music videos for music artists, but also, I think the first one I did was for a house DJ called Tim Deluxe. And then we worked our way up, myself and this guy Tom Doughty, uh, to doing bigger and bigger acts. And then if you go on the Wayback Machine, I did Tim Westwood's Flash website, uh, and that was very much the pinnacle of like the music, like for me growing up in sort of North London, UK hip hop, grime and stuff. I've done stuff for Skepta, or Wiley and those guys as well. They don't pay well. No, there's no money in any of that stuff. But that was what I was doing. And then I was self-taught pretty much. Like I went to school for it, but I didn't know the things you need in terms of soft skills, such as um, time management, estimating, like all of those things. I'd always been the student who kind of did everything at the last minute and, and gets it over the line and still does really well. That's a terrible thing to learn because that, that does not transfer into the real world at all. The actual paid projects and actual clients, you know, you can't do that. It took a while to figure that out. And I basically, I worked from my little council flat in Bournemouth making these guys their websites and I did, you know, like an e-commerce site and all this stuff, like basically self-taught, just reading books and and making things. But because I couldn't estimate, it ended up being that I would work sort of 70 hours a week. I kinda went mad. Like living on my own, my, my flatmate had moved out and I was just working, working, working or studying because I didn't know what I was doing. So kind of skim read a book, think you know how to do it. Turns out it's much harder. I packed it all in, I thought about giving all this up, moved back to London and then got myself a job as a a junior creative technologist and I've been a creative technologist ever since. It's been 15 years now that I've had that title in some form. Yeah, but obviously like stretching yourself beyond what you're capable of, you, you learn a lot from that. It wasn't so great for my mental or physical health, but for my career, it was a real springboard. And, you know, we got lots and lots more music clients from that. And then when I did humbly realize, okay, I need to actually start at the bottom and learn how other people do this rather than being entirely self-taught, it was great to have a a strong portfolio of like... I could go to any studio... without this is modest, but I felt like I could have got a job as a junior which is all I was looking for and nearly any studio at that time so I got to pick by saying I can make most things uh, I'm just not sure that the way I'm doing it is at all a good way so can I please be around other people who are doing this so that I can ask questions and learn from them
0: Then as ever we ended by asking Liam his advice for others starting out in a similar field
1: You have to read a lot Uh, And I have done an hour a day on average every day for 15 years while I'm either making something or like focus study, not idly browsing the web, but a book on a subject or a white paper. And you can kind of get by by going to Prosthetic Knowledge, which was a great Tumblr, um, creative applications, and just seeing what other people are doing. But as I say, it's very important to me to be able to do new things. And that means knowing about technology at a deeper level so that I can twist it or remix it or use it in a different way. Um, I mean, it's incredibly important that you have make something and try and finish it. Like a half-finished thing isn't the same at all. Like, Even if it's something really, really small, like have a thing that's done and finished. I hire engineers a lot and that's a tricky place to hire because you're competing with you know google and snap and facebook and those guys who are always going to pay more and what i can offer is interesting work so being interesting is the way to work with us there's a thing in engineering circles called like a whiteboard question where you're trying to solve an algorithm like just on a blackboard you stand up in a front of a couple of other guys it's quite intimidating they've got good degrees and you try and you know write out on the board how a sorting algorithm will work I we don't do that stuff here like if I were to give you a whiteboard interview it'd be like draw a picture of a horse a three-quarter angle because it's it's as important to me that visually you know how to do things and and creatively you know how to solve problems and I'd like to see that kind of thing in your work any creative endeavor your taste and your ambition will far outstrip your ability maybe forever and you just have to learn to make peace with that and try and close the gap between them but what you want to make and what you actually can maybe you'd really have to master your craft for those two things to ever really be in sync but just keep making things and just keep putting it out there imperfect or whatever but try and finish stuff and Get it done and then make something else.
0: This episode of Creative Lives was brought to you by Lecture in Progress. It was presented by me, Indy Davis, and the guest was Liam Walsh. The editor was Ivor Manley. Lecture in Progress is made possible with the support of a number of brand partners. They include us two, GF Smith, Google, Sky Creative Agency, the Colophon Foundry, and the Paul Smith Foundation. For more information, check out lectureinprogress.com, and you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter.